the Sunday podcast for Road to Wealth. This is Justin uh, coming in on Sunday, February 14th, and happy Valentine's Day goes out to everyone out there. Hopefully you all had a safe and uh, loving time, and if it is single awareness day for you, uh, shout outs to you, and we certainly hope that you know you have a lot of love and and um, you know, security in your life as well. Um, today, um, we are going to be talking about uh, my or, you know, me and my family's financial priorities uh, for today. And it's going to be three main ones that we're going to be talking about um, that's going to incorporate a lot of, you know, different uh, ways that we prioritize our finances. So um, if you haven't subscribed uh, to the podcast, I would highly encourage you to do, to do so. I've been trying to be as consistent with this podcast every week. Uh, ranging from a variety of topics, and um, uh, hopefully you're getting a lot of value out of this. Uh, additionally, I'm also have uh, on Twitter and active there. Uh, my handles at road underscore the number two underscore wealth. Uh, there's a lot of different people in the money Twitter space that um, I've gravitated towards, and I'm following, engaging in you know replies and retweets there. So um, if you're not following there, please do that as well. Um, there's a lot of great content from, you know, not only myself, but also from other, uh, like-minded people that are putting out great content out there around the personal finance space. So, uh, with today, we are going to be talking about, uh, my and our, uh, financial priorities, um, as we've, you know, gotten out of debt over the years and, um, you know, just really just focusing on our savings and investment goals. But, you know, prior to going to that, um, I really wanted to break down our three, you know, major topics that, you know, we, we prioritize within our life as we get in money from our jobs and, you know, shell out our expenses every month. So the three topics that um, we are going to be talking about today are the number one is going to be budget. And that could be a, uh, you know, a good or bad thing, depending on how, you know, all y'all are managing your finances. The second one is going to be around emergency reserves. And that's pretty straightforward. And the third one is saving and investing. You know, uh, there's a lot of different, you know, frameworks in which, you know, many other finance people conduct their their finances. But these are the three that, you know, work for my wife and I um, as we go on within our journey. So um, the first topic we're going to be talking about is the budget. Um, and if you don't have a budget, our question is why? <laughs> um, you know, for us, you know, before we got married, we really wanted to create um, a, a structure for us. And... We did that exercise where we brought, you know, uh, in a way, my dirty laundry and her dirty laundry in the form of our debt uh, in front of the table, and we, we shared it with one another prior to us getting married, um, just so we had, you know, a level playing field of what we were going to be walking into, into our marriage. And, you know, ever since that day, you know, we made it a commitment to get out of our consumer debt, uh, which we did. Um, we paid off over $80,000 in a variety of different, you know, dumb decisions that we made, whether it be in credit cards or, you know, uh, a car payment. Um, you know, for example, the, the couch that was in our house, you know, we, you know, we did that as well. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, changes that we had to conduct to, uh, to get out of that, which we did. And the budget was really our, you know, framework in which we got out of it. And, you know, the, for those that don't believe in a budget, you know, I'm ho hoping that this would at least provide some other reasoning and in, in what to do. And, and frankly, there's a lot of, you know, different tools out there, which I'll, I'll name at the end of this topic. But um, 
as the financial nerd in our relationship, I believe the budget is actually liberating. You know, some people out there that don't operate under a budget feel like it's very, um, you know, constraining and you know you don't get uh it's very restrictive for for those that are out there and you know frankly it's not necessarily that it's more so providing guardrails for how the income comes in and how expenses go out so you know our we know how much we make every month we know what our fixed expenses are and we just divide and conquer that way um and you know ours is nothing complex we don't have you know fancy you know rules or anything like it's just the basic shared google uh, spreadsheet or Google sheet um, where we include our mortgage, day- daycare costs, uh, fixed bills such as internet and cable, um, our Netflix and Hulu subscription, you know, things that, you know, are pretty pretty standard and, you know, are predictable. Um, and then we have uh, our uh, also fixed costs, but they can tend to leak. Um, and I'm sure, you know, some that are out there are also thinking about uh, that may relate to this is, you know, food and restaurants. You know, we're a family of four and, you know, that's probably our biggest variable expense. Um, but we have some cushioning guidance um, that we allow um, within that just because, you know, that is our biggest splurge. Uh, Ramit Sethi, who is another, you know, great personal finance person out there. He has a book, um, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. He talks about money dials and, you know, the, the food and restaurant uh, line item for us is um, one that we indulge in just because, you know, we, we live in the Chicagoland area and, you know, there's a lot of great local restaurants. Um, although we can't dine in inside now, you know, we're still trying to support in, in the form of, you know, takeout and, you know, a number of th- different things. So um, it's never excessive. You know, we're not, you know, dining out all the time. You know, we have a very strict budget that we, um, or not strict, but, you know, pretty flexible budget that we can use for both takeout as well as um, groceries. But, you know, it's really just for us to um, have some sanity, you know, having some variety for our family. Um, and again, um, we're not getting into debt because of it. You know, that really is our um, uh, you know, small leak. Um, the other one would probably be uh, Amazon and Target purchases. But we, we tend to predict that, you know, my wife and I are, are, are fairly communicative throughout the week, the month uh, around our budget. And, you know, we talk about it every month. Um, you know, we don't have a formal sit down per se, but it's more so, you know, here are the, the big topics and, you know, the big expenses we're going to have this month, you know, whether it be a, a gift or um, something along the lines of a donation or something that we're going to be providing throughout the month. So, uh, with that, um, you know, again, you know, you don't have to do anything complex or, you know, super sexy around your budget. You know, again, ours is just a Google sheet, but there's a variety of different tools out there online. Um, you know, one of the famous ones is YNAB or you need a budget.com. Um, there's also, you know, very basic tools like mint.com or personal capital where it'll actually track, your budget spending and actually allocate how much you want per month. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different rules, but I think ultimately it's just like any habit, you know, you just got to start it and over time you're just going to get better at it. And, uh, it's not going to be this strenuous topic within your household. So number one is budget. Um, the second one is emergency reserves. And, um, Typically, the rule of thumb for emergency reserves, you know, is uh, three to six months. And, you know, really what are emergency reserves? You know, it, the name implies it. It's, it's for emergencies. You know, God forbid you need a new roof or new windows or um, the heater, you know, breaks in your home, you know, things of that nature. You know, you have a, a car repair you have to conduct. Um, these are different ways for, you know, you to tap into that um, and drive. So going back to the budget. 
you know how much your household will take in as far as income, and um, you'll also know what you expend out. So, you know, we have a number that we allocate for how much our general burn rate is per month, um, which includes, again, daycare, mortgage, fixed expenses, and that amount. We multiply by either three to up to six months, and that's how much we should keep in cash sitting on the sidelines in case of those emergencies. Um, this was very vital, um, as I shared, you know, in my opening episode, which I talked about, you know, uh, the job loss that I experienced uh, early on in my life. And, you know, I, as I promised to myself, I, I, you know, I made a commitment not to have that type of insecurity again. So emergency reserves are highly important um, within our, our, our peace of mind. Uh, it just brings overall some better emotional security for our household. Uh, specifically for my wife and I. Um, so, you know, I'll give an example. So if, if you conduct your budget and let's say your burn rate or, you know, the monthly out, output of your of your household, is, let's say it's five grand, you should have anywhere from 15 to 30,000 saved up on the sideline. And um, ours is just in a savings account. We also have some emergency reserves within our respective brokerage accounts, which I'll pivot. That's our third. Uh, as a preview going, it's our third priority. Um, and typically right now we're hovering around four months. Um, we're going to be increasing that you know, to uh, six months um, as well. And again, this is more of a psychological safety net for us. Um, again, if you uh, and your partner feel okay with you know, three months, that's fine. You know, that's all variable based upon um, yourself. You know, some people want the tail end. And you know, as folks that are either ramping up for retirement or are in retirement, some are actually in the position of having up to 12 months of expenses within a cash form um, to, again, provide that flexibility and, and, and secure base. So um, the reason we're on the smaller scale right now is um, we, we do have some taxable brokerage accounts that we can tap into and sell some, some securities in the event of a, a crisis within our family. But for right now, we have a very you know safe space, and um, we certainly hope that you know, you're incorporating an emergency reserve plan within your your budget, uh, or not your budget, but uh, your your over financial picture, um, and hopefully your budgeting as well, uh, which will give you that insight to what number you should respectively have for your emergency reserves. Um, and again, like I said, you can uh, for us we keep it within a savings account as well as we have it spread out across you know different money markets and, and brokerage accounts. Again, in in today's day and era, you're not making much. Um, I think our bank is giving us like point zero zero one in savings, but you're not trying to get rich off of this. Um, that's where we're going to be talking about you know building wealth building tools such as. Uh, you know, the saving and investing arm. So um, some people put it in a, in a money market, some put it in an online bank. Um, again, just something where you can easily grab it and, and take it. So that's number two. So number one, we talked about budgeting. Number two, we talked about emergency reserves. And really the final one is the saving and investing part, right? And, you know, really we're going to be leaning into a lot on the investment front, but, you know, this is the fun part, right? You, you've crashed down a lot of barriers to get to this position. Um, I know we did, you know, trying to get out of debt and, um, you know, put ourselves within an emergency reserve spot. Uh, but now it's you know, really the, the fun part is to invest and to start dreaming in, in what you want to do, whether it be early retirement, retirement, um, or even, you know, saving for a larger type of purchase, whether it be a home, car, etc. So uh, with that, 
let's start with, um, you know, outside of the emergency reserves, maybe you have a few goals to say for, like I said, maybe future vacation, a bike, a toy, you know, a car, a purchase, you know, that's where you can save, you know, continually, you know, look at your burn rate per month and whatever money you have outside, you know, you can either save or invest for it. Um, so for us, you know, we, we have a variety of actually both goals. We have a saving goal, savings goal, uh, as well as an investment goal. Um, our saving goals can, can you know, consist of, again, you know, maybe a future vacation that we're going to be, you know, conducting with the family. You know, we want to get out of this pandemic and, you know, travel, you know, in the, in the coming months. So we're, we have a bucket for that. And then with our investments, um, all that is within some form of automated process. So um, for us, you know, we have um, already our core investments uh, already in place. And what do I mean by core investments, right? So for us, it's our work uh, retirement plan. So my wife has a 401k. I have one as well. Um, you know, if for those that don't have a 401k, maybe you have a 403b or maybe you're self-employed and have a SEP. Um, there's a, a variety of different vehicles uh, to to invest within your retirement plan. And, you know, for the, for those that... Uh, that do I would definitely inquire at your work and what they ha- what they have and frankly a lot of places will have some form of match which I would highly encourage you to do even if you're getting out of debt you know for us like when we were out of debt we were at least contributing to the match of our workplace 401k and you know that at least you know early on within our career gave us a leg up and granted yes we could have pivoted out of it but we can't you know say no to free money. And, you know, uh, thankfully, you know, even at the time with a variety of different employers, employers I had, they were offering some form of match, which I participated in. So um, one aspect to look into as well is, you know, maybe you're on the younger side of the scale and, you know, don't have a traditional 401k. Look at, you know, an individual IRA account or uh, uh individual retirement account or, you know, paraphrase to an IRA. Um, there's two different ones out there. There's the traditional, um, as well as a Roth. Um, I personally like the Roth, um, and I'm not going to go into, um, the advantages both tax wise between a traditional and IRA and a, and a Roth IRA. Uh, maybe I'll use that for a future podcast as well. And I'll invite someone that uh, can speak, speak to it a lot more eloquently. Um, and a lot more consistently. I can dive into it, but I don't want to use this episode as a way to, to conduct that. Um, but again, once you open these accounts, whether it be a 401k or an IRA, um, you know, these are just accounts, right? They're not necessarily, you know, they, you want to think of them as the vehicle or the bucket. Um, and then when you actually invest into these accounts, like you actually put money into your Roth or you actually put money into your, uh, your, uh, your, your, your Roth IRA or your 401k, you still have to choose the investments to get your dollars to work within those buckets. So what do I mean by that? Um, so let's say, for example, you sign up for your workplace 401k and you, you have the option now that you're going to be contributing from your paycheck to your 401k, you still have to choose your securities in which your money is going to be buying. So what do I mean by securities? These could be in the form of mutual funds. They could be target date funds. They could be bonds. They could be stocks. Um, 
And these are the variety of different securities you can pick from based upon your risk tolerance. And what and by risk tolerance, if you're on the younger side of the scale, I would highly suggest to, to, to look at some form of um, you know equity portfolio just because you have time before you're going to be retiring. Or you know for many folks that are pretty much on the verge of retirement are going to take more of a conservative approach, in which case, you know, you might have a bond allocation. Either way, regardless of what your risk tolerance is, just don't leave your money in cash, even if your money is coming out of your paycheck into some form of, you know, investment vehicle in your 401k or your Roth, you still have to put that money to work. You know, not many people, and I've been seeing this all over Twitter, the biggest mistake you can make is putting these those dollars to work and not choosing a security to invest in. At this point, you're not going to get any money from it just because inflation is going to drive that cash down. Um, and you can even make the argument going back to the emergency reserves or probably losing money to inflation, which is probably true. But again, the emergency reserves are primarily for emergencies. Your investment vehicles are for investments. So use that as the as your calling card to pick the investments that you need. Um, so, you know, typically, you know, for myself, I can only speak, I, I have a fairly aggressive, you know, aggressive portfolio or ag- aggressive uh, mindset when it comes to my risk tolerance. Um, you know, I do have some bond allocation and typically that's just more so for to, to measure out the volatility. Um, and the reason why is, you know, I'm, I'm still in the wealth accumulation stage. You know, I'm not nearing retirement. I'm not anywhere near there, but I'm putting something in place to at least ride the market and being able to take advantage of all the uh, respective gains that we can get from, you know, putting our money into the stock market that way. Um, and again, you know, I, I want to remind if I, if, if I haven't, you know, made it clear, do not keep your money in cash within these accounts. Make sure you're picking securities to help drive this growth for you. Um, so uh, beyond that, uh, if you are, Outside of maximizing your, your workplace 401k, um, as well as maybe even an, uh, an individual retirement account or IRA, this is where you could probably look at you know a brokerage account. And for, for those that you know don't know what a brokerage account, this is a, a taxable account. Um, so this is you know still an investment account, but uh, you are taxed in a different scenario versus an IRA or or, or 401k. Again, maybe I'll use a future. Um, episode to talk through the different tax implications but the brokerage accounts um think of your robin hoods think of your your betterments your wealth fronts uh, some of these robo advisors as well that you may have heard out in the universe your m1 finance your sofi i'm probably name dropping a bunch of different names that you're hearing but many of these accounts that if you opened up within these uh uh, those companies are typically a brokerage account, so it's a, a taxable account. So, any gains, for example, that you get from you know putting your money into a stock or a mutual fund can be ten- can potentially be taxable. Um, if you sell that, there's obviously uh, it's a taxable event, in which case you'll have to account for that. So, I'm in no way giving uh, any form of tax advice here. Um, it's strictly just a matter of information purposes only. Um, so definitely look into that. Um, you know, both my wife and I, we have, you know, our retirement accounts, but we also have individual brokerage accounts in which, you know, we invest into the market. Um, my, you know, 
my investment philosophy or rather our investment philosophy is we have a little bit of play money that we we put towards you know speculative bets if you will so if we put money into you know an individual stock or a very risky etf you know that's on us it doesn't account for the majority of our investment philosophy we still invest into index funds uh, which is a mutual fund what the beauty of index funds are is that they're low cost and they give you the ability to you know uh, get the market gains and you know for you'll see a lot within the uh, money twitter space as well as people reaching trying to reach uh you know uh, early retirement or you know financial independence is that the reason why it's so great of investing into an index fund is because you're capturing the whole market versus riding your bet onto one sector or one you know segment, so you're not just exposed to technology. You're exposed to you know maybe utilities or energy. Um, you're you're exposed to the entire market, and you're you're able to reap the benefits of that. Um, and for those that you know maybe you're out there that uh, say, well, I you know I have a portfolio that, that beats the market. You know, one thing I've talked about on previous podcasts is that it's more important to have time in the market rather than timing of the market. So yes, to your example, if you you know, have a fund in your portfolios being the market. The question I ask for you is, can you sustain that type of success for five years, 10 years, 30 years, um, and, and beat the market? You know, tribal knowledge and, and research online shows that there's really not one fund that has done that consistently year over year. So that's where we have, you know, our core investments within a index fund type of scenario. Like I said, we also have, you know, uh, our our play money or, you know, a percentage of our money that is into, you know, more your, your, your one stock, your, 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 your really risky ETF. So, um, but it's such a small percentage. It's probably, you know, less than, you know, 15% at this point. Um, I have to double check our, our portfolio again. But um, it's never exceeding, you know, a, you know, all of our eggs in one basket if, uh, type of approach, right? Um, when they talk about diversification within the stock market and, and your portfolio, again, you want to be able to have a, a variety of different um, not only vehicles, right, in the form of retirement, but taxable accounts, but also in what you're exposed to from a security perspective. Um, so, you know, with that, hopefully this all makes sense. Um, and again, if you, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to, you know, follow me on Twitter, send out a, you know, a message out there. Um, you could also, you know, leave a comment, uh, you know, within the, on iTunes, for example, on the podcast, I would definitely appreciate any feedback you guys have here on, uh, on the podcast. And hopefully this is benefiting you. And, um, next week we'll figure out a topic to talk through. Um, we're building out a lot of podcasts podcast topics and, and and content for the next coming weeks so i appreciate everyone tuning in um once again this is justin from road to wealth and i appreciate everyone thank you very much and have a great evening